not working. Yes, it is. the Lord. We bless the Lord. Amen. Shall we rise to our feet this morning as we come to before the Lord in worship and praise? You know, whenever we come before the Lord, we have to bear in mind that we come before a majestic God and an everlasting Father, the one that created the universe. And when we talk about the universe, we, we cannot even call, you know, imagine, our mind cannot wrap around it to just understand what has been created out there. This same God who has made this vast universe invites us into his court. He dwells outside of the universe and uh, he invites us to come before him and instantly in worship and in prayer, we can be in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You have been given that privilege as a child of God because we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And, uh, you know, he wants our hearts. We can sing the songs that we are familiar with, the songs that we are singing this morning. But God is after our hearts. When we begin to worship the Lord, and if you want to break out in worship and praise, you know, just singing a new song in your heart, telling the Lord, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I give you all my heart today. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord, for he alone is worthy, is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. We can do that. Amen. It delights the heart of the Lord. And Father, even this morning, these hearts are ready, Lord, to worship you. These people that are standing in front of us, Lord, are anointed to lead us into the courts of the righteous. We pray that, Lord, awaken us from our slumber. May we be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord that is present here this morning. May you touch our hearts, touch our bodies, touch our minds, and fill this place with the glory of the Lord. May we not even minister, Lord, because of the presence and the glory of the Lord in this house. In Jesus' name. We pray. If you agree with me, would you shout and say amen? amen. Shout again, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can stay standing. You can sit. You can kneel. You can dance around. However you feel led. This time is just between you and God. Amen. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter how you sound. It's a beautiful noise to the Lord. stood before creation, eternity in your hands. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. You stood before my failure. Carried the cross for my 
this morning, Father God. We welcome you here, Father. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We ask you to have your way here today. Have your way in this church. Have your way in our hearts. We humble ourselves before you. Even as we just sang that we're going to stand, we also fall. We fall on our knees. As it says in the book of Revelation, when all the saints will bow down and cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ. We do that this morning. We don't want to wait <laughs> till heaven. So we do it this morning, Father God. Help teach us how to humble ourselves before you, how to surrender our hearts, surrender our lives. We give you free reign, Holy Spirit, to speak to us this morning. We even ask for it. We ask for a spirit of revelation this morning. upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power when he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high and I want you to go there right now in your imagination. We see this a lot in the Bible, where God encourages us to picture things, imagine things. Imagine yourself right there in the throne room of God. Let's, let's stay there for a while and worship him this morning.
your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender we fall down. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground.
be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one.
raise our hands. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We sense your presence here, Jesus. We sense your presence, Lord, in such a tangible and mighty way, Lord. Yes, Father, we say, have your way. Have your way in our lives. I'm going to share a word that the Lord gave me um, as I was waiting on him. And I didn't share this word, um, but Pastor Nate, um, the Lord impressed on his heart that I had a word to share with the church. And as I was sitting and waiting on the Lord, I said, Father, what is the word? I even forgot that I had written this word. But I believe that it is for right now. It is for right now. This is the word of the Lord to us today. First off, the Lord is saying, church, it is time for you to set yourself apart. It is time for you to separate yourself from everything that would distract you, from following me, from hearing my voice. The Lord is saying it is time for us to put away all the little foxes, you know, that would spoil the vine. 
because he has great things that he wants to show to us. The Lord said that because there's a spirit right now that has been unleashed, which is causing a lot of mayhem and confusion. But the Lord said it should not affect the children of God because of what, who they are and who they are hearing from. This is the time for my church to listen to the word of liberty. I have foretold these things in my word, says the Lord. I have also prepared my church with what it needs for this hour. My church need not be afraid. My church needs to remember what I have spoken to her in my word, and she will triumph. My word has everything my church needs in this season. No season need to take my church off guard or by surprise because the, you church, you're a part of me. My church needs to go back to the foundational teachings. My church needs to go back to her first love. My church needs to go back to purity. My church needs to go back to holiness. And I want my church to dwell there. Yes, there's tribulation and fear-mongering will cause many hearts to fail. But it should not be so with my church, says the Lord. I am the light in the darkness. I am hope in hopelessness. I am victory in defeat. Yes, I am the healer, restorer, and peace. I have already overcome the world. And that includes this season right now. Rejoice, church. Rejoice, little flock. I'm always present. I'm always present with you. Do not look about you for deliverance and victory. Because the arm of flesh will fail you. But I, the Lord your God, I never fail. Look to me and be radiant. Look to me and be saved. Look to me and get my heart for this hour. Nothing that has happened has taken me by surprise. I am the all-knowing God. Did I not say gross darkness will cover the earth and darkness the people? Did I not say my glory will rise upon the church? Believe this, my children. Spend time with me. Recognize and live in the greater glory. In this hour, you need to abide in me, the vine, and you will continually bear fruit. Good fruit that will last. The fruit that the world needs right now. Do not shrink back in fear, says the Lord. He says, do the greater works. And the people will see the only answer and the only true God, which is the great I am, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else have something they feel is from the Lord for the group right now? But he was speaking to me while we were worshiping, and he said, we are a blended heart, and we're blended with his heart, and that all of us together are a blended heart for the Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Staying in this spirit, let's open our hearts to receive healing where there is a need for healing. If you have a need for healing, you can stay right where you are and lift your hand up and a couple people will be near you. So if you have a need for healing, you go to someone who needs it. Just go, uh, you can get out of your seats and uh, put your hand down when there are two people who are touching you. Keep your hand up. You can move around, you can get out of your seats until two people are with you. And then put your hand down after you, you're being touched with at least two. And then I'm gonna pray and then after I get done, those of you that are with this person, you find out specifically what it is, and you pray then uh, without the mic. Father in heaven, before you revealed yourself as the Father of Jesus, you revealed yourself as a God who heals. From the Lord that heals you, you told us that none of those diseases that were put upon the world would be put upon your children. You said that way back in Exodus. And so we're laying claim to that, that we are a people called out. We're a people radiant as we sang because we were filled with your powerful Holy Spirit. And in that, there is healing for us. And we absolutely believe that. So as we have sung about the great I am and the power there is and the majesty of the Lord God. Now we apply that to our needs, to our daily needs, to our physical needs, to our body. And we speak it forth. We speak healing. Be healed. We speak healing now. Let it come forth. Let it flow forth, Father, from your throne right into these bodies. Heal. Heal. We receive it now. We receive that. Those of you that are needy, you, you say yes, amen. You receive that. Now you that are close to them, you pray. Pray for them. Miracles, Father, miracles, healing, healing. Let it come, let it come. Release it, release it. Holy Spirit, release it in our midst. Healing, healing for broken bodies, diseased bodies, broken muscles, tore ligaments, whatever it is, whatever is digestive issues, 
heart issues, lung issues. Healing is in the room. Let it happen, oh God. Neck problems, head problems, neck go away in Jesus' name. We chase it out. Doesn't belong here. We're the people of God. Doesn't belong in this place. We speak it forth with humility and confidence. We pray and believe. Thank you, God. Now let's just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We receive. We're your kids. We're your children. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. I uh, am weepy again. That was such a great <laughs> worship time, so I'll try to not weep through this whole thing. Um, if you are a first-time guest to Norris Springs, welcome. Uh, we invite you to fill out the guest card, which you will find on the small pocket of the back of the chair in front of you. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> we, uh, as we've expanded, we have an abundance of prayer here. Uh, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., we have Pastor Edward, who is meeting in his office for corporate prayer. Pastor Paul is having a men's teaching prayer group in the kids' room. Uh, his wife, Karen Anderson, is also having a woman's prayer group in Fellowship Hall, I believe. Um, so you are welcome to come to any of those, and we, we hope that you do. The chairs uh, are 25 cents. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it explains why I'm so overwhelmed with the spirit this morning, all of that prayer. That's so great. Um, we have a men's group every other Thursday here in the worship center from 7 to 8.30. It is not this Thursday. It will be next Thursday, led by Todd Wiley. Um, please join him there. If you need to connect with him and you don't know who he is, grab me, and I will help you find him. Um, we have corporate prayer every Friday night here in the sanctuary as well at 6 o'clock, and we hope you come to that as well. We are still in need of volunteers for ushers and greeters here, and if you are interested in that, please talk with Pastor Christine about that, and she can get you set up. Uh, our Women's Radiate will be this February 12th, and again, we're excited to have Karen Anderson be our speaker for that. It will be at 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Um, we have a prayer line email, so if you're interested in prayer, you can get a hold of Jane, and the prayer uh, email is jane.prayerteam at gmail.com. Uh, and finally, we are trying to update our information. There are these pink forms that are on a table near the fellowship hall. So if everybody would grab one of those and fill those out, that would be helpful because then we have a way to get a hold of you and let you know important information, dates on the calendar, events coming up. There is also a sign-up sheet for the Women's Radiate on that table, and we'd ask the women to take the time to sign up. We're looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah. 
Oh, is it this Thursday? It's this Thursday. I should know this, shouldn't I? <laughs> Sorry for the confusion. Everybody, everybody's dying to have a Bible study, so that uh, it's a good thing, amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I like the part of the healing, you know, side of things because uh, the Bible says, I'm the Lord that heals you. He heals us. It's part of our inheritance that we've received from the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I was prayed for and uh, getting, you know, fighting a cold, which I kept quarantined myself for a week. Now here I am. I still have my voice. Amen? And just to ease your hearts, it's not COVID. You know, just kind of don't avoid me after service and, you know. But uh, we're going to take some time now to uh, receive the tithes and offerings, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves every Sunday morning. Amen? We give because God gave us everything. He gave us the best of the gifts. His only son, the righteous one. You know, and uh, he says, uh, here's a gift that I've given to you so that you might have uh, eternal life. I have eternal life today because of the gift that God gave. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's powerful. God so loved the world that he gave. Having been given that wonderful and greatest gift that anyone would receive, can I withhold anything myself? The Bible says, he who did not withhold his, his son and gave him freely to us all, how can he withhold anything from us? And so even as we give this morning, we give because we love the Lord. Like I said last Sunday, it's not a tax. We don't require you to pay a tax to come over. In the world, everything is taxable. You go to the grocery store, you buy gas, it's all taxable. But when you come in the house of the Lord, freely, freely you have received and freely you should give. Amen? And give cheerfully, and the Lord will bless you. And, uh, the, the, you know, he says, uh, he will bless you, open the heavens, you know, and the windows of heaven will open upon you, and God will pour out a blessing upon you that won't be room enough to receive it. And it literally means that, not enough room to receive it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for the... Uh, gift that he has given us and uh, as we give this morning again you know uh, God, we don't say give a thousand dollars God is going to give you two thousand dollars you know if you give four thousand dollars going to give you you know eight thousand dollars doesn't work that way we give because uh, we are obedient to him and he meets all our needs he supplies all our needs according to the federal government of the United States of America <laughs> no according to the riches of his glory. And how much is that? It's unexplainable. You can't even begin to describe it. Amen. So, Father, we are so thankful again that we can come together as your people, even to extend worship in our giving. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we sense him. He is among us, Lord. And we pray your blessings, Lord, upon every hand that we extend. And even those that do not have, Lord, let them not feel condemned in any way. Once you bless them, they will be able to give as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Steve is going to sing for us as the offering is going around. God bless you, Steve.
I'm trading my sorrows I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord yeah. I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord we say yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord. Yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord. Yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, amen. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure. And his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. You say yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, amen. We say yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord. Yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord. We say yes Lord, yes Lord, yes, yes Lord, amen. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond a curse for his promise will endure. And his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Stephen, and check this out, Brothers in Black, how's that? Great job, man, appreciate you. And how about I give this to you, in case we need to run it around. So I get to preach, huh? Oh, oh. never give a preacher a mic. It's the biggest mistake. Don't get in a land war in Asia and then never give a preacher a microphone. Okay. Amen. Open up your Bible app, or your Bible, to Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew 2. Uh, who knows what church calendar holiday it was about a week ago? 
Epiphany, Janice for the win. What's Epiphany? The light coming out, yeah. And, and what specifically does it refer to? The light on the Gentile world. Sort of. It also refers to the anniversary of the Christmas star, the star of the wise men or the magi, which is what we're going to read about in Matthew 2. Um, so we're a little late per, for Epiphany, but we're not legalistic, right? It's okay. But we are going to talk about the Magi this morning, the wise men. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through this, and it's, we're not going to finish. So just for those who are completionists like me, set that down. We're not going to finish the passage today. We're going to get as far as we can. But despite the fact that this is not long, it's actually full of stuff. Uh, but the problem is when we hear a passage 500 times in our life, like we have with these Christmas-related passages, it, it literally what happens when you know something so well is the cognitive reasoning part of your brain gets bypassed and the memory part of your brain kicks in and you just recite. Or you just, oh, I know that story, and wise men came out of the East, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't think about it is the point. But this is good stuff, so I want us to think about it this morning and know this isn't a Christmas sermon. Because the wise men didn't come at Christmas, and we're going to mention that at some point as we go through this. Okay, Matthew chapter 2. So Matthew started out uh, with his genealogy because Matthew is writing primarily to Paul McKenzie. I bet you know. The Jews. I'm not going to put you all on the spot like that. I only torture specific people, and Paul is one of those. Okay. So Matthew is writing specifically to a Jewish audience. And so he starts out with a Jewish genealogy showing that Jesus comes from the house of David, right? And then, very briefly, he says, oh yeah, and Mary had a son and named him Jesus, because Joseph had a dream. It's very brief, but a good story. Um, and then, chapter two. So Matthew set the stage, he set the story. I'm gonna tell you about this Jesus guy, and here's how he was born. And now, since I'm telling a good story, we're gonna introduce some conflict. And it's gonna get bad, and there's gonna be some villains. And so he starts out with, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, I'm going to pause there. So where are we in the world? We're in Israel. Israel is tiny. Okay? Uh, let's say there's a microphone stand right here, a very thin microphone stand. Everything on this side is the Roman Empire. Okay, so Rome goes from Northern Europe all the way to North Africa to the ocean. That's the Roman Empire. It's massive. Tiny little Israel is on the very edge of the Roman Empire. And then everywhere over here is called the Parthian Empire. They used to call it the Persian Empire and then they changed their minds because scholars have to do something to justify their salary. And so the Parthian Empire is what's over here and that's Babylon, Persia, Seleucia, Acadia, uh, way up into Eastern Europe, down to Arabia, all the way to basically India, really close to India, okay? Massive empire, Roman. Massive empire, Parthian. This is in the east. Okay, and tiny little Israel is in the middle. So that's where we are. The wise men, or magi, magi is the same word we get magician. Magi, magician, magic, all those words you know, are related to magi. And these dudes were from the east. 
How far east? Well, more than a couple blocks, probably. They're probably saying way east. We don't know for sure. Nobody knows. Uh, tradition says there was three of them. Other traditions say there was like 12 of them from all different places. And then other traditions say, no, it was three from probably Babylon. So we don't know exactly. But it's very easy to guess that they were from the Parthian Empire because that place is massive. Okay, Massive, massive empire. Babylon was still the religious seat kind of of the area and the capital most of the time of the area. And so that's probably where the Magi came from. What you have to understand about reading Matthew 2, we read it knowing the story. We already know the story. And the wise men are who? Good guys. When Matthew's audience read this, that is the opposite of what they would have assumed. Magi are bad guys. Always. Always bad guys in the Bible. Remember, they don't have this part of the Bible yet. They only have this part. And in this part, every time you see a magician, a practicer of magic, they're a bad guy. To the point where God says, thou shalt not do that. If that, if that happens in the midst of my people, stone that guy or girl. That's how bad it was. That's how serious he was about sorcery and magic and that sort of thing. And so that's what these guys are. They're magicians. And astrology was a big part of Zoroastrianism and all the other old religions of the East. And every time we see wise men in this book, they're bad guys. So who can think of a time when wise men show up? Long, long time ago. Elijah, great one. Andrew. Daniel. Yeah, that's a good one too. And the oldest one I was thinking about is probably Egypt although they do show up before then, when Moses has his big confrontation with Pharaoh, remember that? Sticks get thrown on the ground and they turn into snakes. Well, that's magic, unless you're God doing it, right? There's some demonic power at work there. And these aren't like fake TV magicians. I know nowadays like we're like, oh, magic, that's not real. This is real. This is real and it's bad, okay? So the wise men there were against Moses. They were against God. They were against the people of God. They were the antagonists. They were the bad guys. They worked for Pharaoh, right? Now, in the story of Daniel, Daniel has confrontation with the wise men, too, through confrontation with King Nebuchadnezzar. And those wise men were definitely the bad guys in that situation. They're the ones who instigated it. They're the ones who persecuted Daniel, right? They're the ones who got him thrown into a pit of lions. Daniel was a really old man at that point, by the way. He wasn't young, strong Daniel. He was old, feeble Daniel, tossed into a lion pit by the wise men, by the magi. These guys are bad. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, after Daniel was not you know, killed, uh, had retribution on all those wise men. Hey, you guys were wrong, and you stink, and you're dead now. Because that's how you do when you're king of Babylon. You kill everybody you don't like. And so, the wise men were the bad guys. They do get their comeuppance, but they're still bad. And so when Matthew, writing a book to Jews in the first century, says, now behold, magi came out of the east. When he writes that, all the readers go, boo, magi. And behold, magi. Okay? They are bad guys. There is no question. Magi are always bad guys. They're against God. They're the antithesis of God. So that's how we start, if we're reading this story correctly. 
And the important thing about this is that the, actually the theme of the whole book of Matthew, or certainly one of the major themes, is the ones who should have been on Jesus' side were not, and were usually enemies to him. And the ones that nobody would ever guess or pick are the ones that God chose. And we see this over and over and over in the book of Matthew. And so right here at the very beginning, Matthew is setting the stage in a very cool, dramatic fashion to prove this point to us. Because they say, see, wise men, and they go, boo. But Matthew's going to show them something about who God is that's really important and continues to be important throughout the book of Matthew. So they came from the east to Jerusalem saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Huh? What? I mean, this is not what the wise men say. The wise men say, behold, we have come to destroy that which would set itself up against our God king. Right? So they say, hey, where's the Messiah? We've come to worship him. So now the readers, if, if I'm reading this, I can be a little cynical. So I would have been like, oh, they're tricking them. It's a trick. Trick, trick, trick. They're here to trick to get at Jesus somehow because they're bad guys. Obviously, they're bad guys, right? And, okay, before we continue that, um, how do they know there's a star? What, what, what's going on there? Okay, it's in the Old Testament. Do you remember where? Ooh. Uh, there is one in Micah uh, about Bethlehem. The one I'm thinking of is Numbers 24, when it says, his star shall rise out of Judah, um, which I think is actually an astrological um, explanation. I think that's why when they saw the star rising out of a certain part of the sky, they're like, oh, this is that one prophecy. Okay? Yep, that's another one. So there are several. So why do they have the book of Moses? These are pagans. What? Why are they reading numbers? Anybody know? Daniel's influence, that's exactly right. So about 600 BC, uh, what was left of Israel gets sacked by Babylon, and they bring them back as slaves, or at least the, the strong and good-looking ones. The not as strong and not as good looking ones. Yeah. So in Babylon, they're mostly slaves. But if uh, Nebuchadnezzar was interesting in that he conquered so many different kinds of peoples that he wasn't super racist like you might expect back then. And he just wanted people who could do a good job. It didn't matter what you looked like, if you could, or what color you were, what race you were. If you could do a good job, he wanted you. Daniel was identified early as having a prophetic gift, which is something that they you know, liked. Now, eventually, when Daniel basically defeated the Magi, boo, when Daniel defeated the Magi, then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and Nebuchadnezzar eventually is like, okay, the, the God of Daniel is God. So he either ordered the wise men to include all the Hebrew scriptures and prophecies in part of what they read or, they, or what was left of the Magi chose to do that. But they had a, an un, unwilling respect for Daniel because he proved himself powerful. He proved his God powerful. So they started studying 
the Old Testament. So much so that they're looking for the star. They probably got a list of all these prophecies about Messiah. That's a curious thing. Messiah, that sounds neat. Where is he? When, he's, when is he going to be born? All right, here's all the things we're looking for. And they're actually watching because they saw it rise or come into brightness or whatever it was. I don't know. We don't even know if it was actually a star in the sense that we call stars stars. You know, it could have been something else. It could have been an angel. What we know is it came from God. And that's what's important. It came from God in order to speak to the wise men and anyone else who was watching, which was almost nobody. So again, there's Matthew's theme, right? The people we would least to expect are the ones watching for Messiah. Meanwhile, Herod and the scribes and the leaders of Israel, where the Messiah is coming to, who should be paying attention, are totally oblivious. It's the opposite of what you would expect, right? And so they study the scriptures, they look, and they see the star. And we don't know how long it takes for them to make a decision to travel. We don't, we don't know a lot of things. I really look forward to watching the like extended edition Blu-ray of this in heaven because there are so many questions that I have. Did they all find out together at the same time and start talking about it? Or did each one find out and was like, so this Messiah thing, shh, shh, shh. So this Messiah thing seems to be real. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna do something? Do we care? What do we do? We don't know exactly what happened, okay? What we do know is that for some reason, they chose to leave their home, their family, their career, their God, their government behind and go to worship Jesus. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible story, in my opinion. So they knew it was a fulfillment of Jewish prophecy about the Messiah somehow they came to the decision to go. And this was not an easy decision because this was not an easy journey. It was not an easy thing that they were doing. Any long journey back then was risky, okay? You've got bandits. You've got desert to cross. You've got food issues. You've got sickness. And however many wise men, magi, boo, there are, they, they had an entourage with them. They would have had to. We don't know how many. There are probably dozens, easily. Because you've got to have a couple people in charge of all the camels. You've got to have a couple people in charge of making food. You've got to have a bunch of soldiers to guard you in case the bandits show up. You want to look like a big enough crowd that people just aren't going to bother attacking you. You need people, personnel. You need people to schlep all that stuff around all over the place. People to set up the tents. I mean, you need a lot of folks. And so that is, it's a risky journey, and it's a tremendously expensive one. Tremendously expensive. Now, these magi, if they were from Babylon, they would have been part of the court of the emperors. They would have been well paid. Um, but either way, I think they're, they're spending it all on this trip, or at least most of it. They're, they're, they're blowing it all, but it's not blowing it, is it? It's a good investment. They're going into enemy territory. Remember Parthian Empire? Roman Empire. So they're taking a pretty big risk there. They don't exactly have permission from their own emperor to go to the enemy territory. They don't have permission from the enemy to come into this territory. What do you think would have happened if members of the Parthian court were discovered in Roman territory? I'll give you a hint. Not good stuff. Because Rome was very good at killing, and they really liked to do it. 
So these folks would have been in prison. It would have been a big deal. It could have been a prelude to war, because these guys were always at war back and forth. We're talking Cold War, except if us and Russia were right next to each other. So it is tense all the time. And the wise men have to go into enemy territory, because that's where Jesus is. So I think, and now that, all that is true, I think also, this is a guess, but I think that they're probably sacrificing their careers here. I think they're probably done by making this decision. Because you got to understand, these magi, they worship the emperor, and they practice magic. And they do stuff to help the emperor and the court magically. Well, now, they're going to go worship a different king. They call that treason in most places, right? And not only that, what do you think their fellow magi would have thought about this? What? Yeah, th those prophecies are interesting and all, but you're not leaving our religion to go worship somebody else. What are you doing? That's against your, all your training. That's against everything you've ever done. But that's what they decide to do. I don't think they were sanctioned to go. I think they had to sneak away. Because nobody would have been in favor of this. Nobody. And I think because of that, the journey probably took longer than it could have, because maybe they're not going main roads and main cities. Because again, whoa, big entourage from the court of the king. Cool. Who are you guys and where are you going? Better to avoid those kind of questions. So we're probably going through a lot of wilderness. It's going to take a long time. We don't know exactly how long the journey took. We know that when they show up, uh, the Holy Family was in a house and not a stable anymore. And the word used for Jesus is the word for little kid, not baby. We also know that Herod, spoiler alert, Herod orders the death of all the babies two and under. So you've got to figure Herod maybe guessed a little bit high just to make sure. So how old is Jesus at that point? Maybe a year, year and a half, I don't know, something like that. Maybe he's weaned, maybe not, I'm not sure. But he's older, he's probably toddling around. He's not little infant Jesus in the manger, okay? Because it took a long time for the wise men, boo, to get there. So. They're risking a lot, and they're sacrificing a lot to come and worship Jesus. I'm guessing nobody else understands why they're doing it. I don't understand why they're doing it, unless God spoke to them. That's what I'm going to guess. What I'm going to guess happens, because we see it happen a lot in Scripture. I'm guessing they saw that star and were like, oh, that's, that's the prophecy. Messiah is real? Wait, all this stuff is real? Yahweh's real? Whoa. And I think somewhere in that process, God revealed himself to them. Maybe each of them individually, maybe all together. We don't know. Again, I want to see that Blu-ray. I want to see what happened. But at some point, I believe they got a revelation from the Lord. Because again, there's too much risk and too much sacrifice here just to pay homage to a pro prophetic kid. You know, you don't risk your life for that. That's a neat, interesting curiosity for your profession, perhaps, but it's not something to risk your whole career and your whole life on. Also, they don't just go and pay him homage. They worship him. They worship Jesus when they get there. So I personally think that God revealed himself to them for this purpose, so that they would go, because they were supposed to be a part of this story and a part of what's going on. And we see that a lot in scripture, don't we? The, I think of the prodigal son in the pig pen, it says, and he came to himself, and he realized, whoa, I need to humble myself and go back to my dad, right? 
And there's a lot of other examples of that in the Bible. And I bet some of us here have had those experiences where God just opens our eyes and he just reveals something to us that maybe we sort of knew, but now we like know, know it. It's like, whoa, God, okay, okay. I think that's what happened. I think they were converted, or if not totally converted, certainly mostly converted. By the time they get to Jesus, they are. They fall down and worship him. Uh, it's, th this is an amazing story to me, an absolutely amazing story. These, these guys aren't boo, magi boo. They are, they're heroes in my mind, okay? Um, to risk so much and sacrifice so much for Jesus, I think, is just awesome. God gives them a mission, I think, and they say yes, despite the fact that they realized at some point that this mission would probably mean their careers, it could mean their life, and they still said yes. These are pagans from another culture. But God can change hearts, amen? He can soften even the hardest hearts, even magi. And so as Matthew's audience read this, this is incredible to them. These, this, this is even more incredible than like Samaritans coming to Jesus, would be magi. Like, what? The worst of, I mean, you might as well say Pharaoh came and worshiped Jesus. It's crazy. Like, really crazy. Not only that, they do it all right, and the king of the Jews, Herod, does it all wrong. He does exactly the opposite, which is not what you'd expect to happen. So when, when we think about this story and all that they risked and all that they sacrificed, we have to ask ourselves, what have we risked or sacrificed for God lately? And that's not meant to be a guilt trip, by the way, just so you know. But these are questions we need to ask ourselves regularly. Some of you, I bet, can relate to the wise men because at some point God gave you something to do and you said yes. And maybe it was a lot harder than you thought it would be, but you did it. And so you can relate to this story. Others of us, maybe it's been a while <laughs> since we did. Life gets distracting, right? Maybe it's been a while since we've risked anything for God. Maybe it's been a while since we've sacrificed anything for God. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we never really have. But at some point, as we mature in Christ, he asks us to do more and more. I mean, he does say things like, get up on your cross and follow after me, right? Uh, Self-editing, okay. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of... God will make sure everything's always perfect theology because it's not in here. In here, there's suffering. In here, all the people who follow Jesus the closest get murdered. And that's still what happens in much of the world today. When God asks us to do something, there's always going to be some sort of risk or sacrifice or both. And that's, that's just the way it is. It's not a fun part of the way it is. You know, we'd all be missionaries in a foreign field or, or giving all our possession to the poor, whatever it is, if it were fun and easy. God isn't looking for primarily people who are supremely gifted. He's not looking primarily for people who are wealthy. He's not looking primarily for people in position. He's just looking for someone who will humble themselves and say, yes. And sometimes we do that before he asks us to do something. Before he even gives us an order, we say, present, ready. 
What can I do, God? And it could be that for some of us who are like, you know, I, I don't know that I've really done anything specific lately for God like that. Maybe we're not listening enough. It's hard to hear an order if you don't pick up the phone, right? So that's just something to think about. Maybe we can spend a little more time listening, a little more time asking the Holy Spirit, is there something you want me to do? Or is there something you want me to do differently? Or something you want me to do in a, in a new way, in a stronger way than maybe I've done before? And he gives us all things like that to do from time to time. And so if you haven't been doing it, um, I'd encourage you to, to think, ask the Lord why. Why, why, why. I feel like I've been in cruise control for a while. God, what's going on? Am I not listening? Am I just, what is it? And we're going to pray at the end about that so that we can all pray into that um, and let the Holy Spirit lead us into what he's calling us to do. All right, we got through like one verse so far. Or maybe, okay, two verses. Two. <laughs> For, I told you we wouldn't finish. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And Herod the king heard this and he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Andrew. A new king. Yeah, a new king. That's not good for me. I'm the king, and I didn't just have a baby boy. So the new king of the Jews isn't my son. It's somebody else. And he's troubled by that. So he calls his uh, chief priests and scribes and everybody together, and he inquires of them where the Christ was to be born. And it, so again, they're, they're not looking. They're not even looking for the Messiah. That's like their one job. You guys have one job, scribes. Messiah. That's it. That's what all of this is about. All of this is pointing to Jesus, right? All the stuff after the Gospels is pointing back to Jesus. And they weren't doing their one job. They were doing other stuff. They were debating silly things about the law. They were breaking up into factions and saying, I'm right, I'm right. No, we stand on the real truth. No, we're the real truth. We don't even acknowledge you exist. That doesn't sound familiar, does it? <laughs> it's a good thing we don't still do that today, 2,000 years later. That would be really frustrating. Sarcasm. Um, so, so Herod, you can boo for real now about Herod because he's the most boo-worthy boo guy there is in here. Boo, Herod. So Herod was troubled. That's not the right response. At some point, the Magi responded properly by humbling themselves before God and saying, I'll do it. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Herod, instead, is troubled because he's selfish. So he took, got everybody together, and they told him he was going to be born um, in Bethlehem. And then he quotes the prophecy from Micah. Um, Maybe the Magi thought that the new king was going to be Herod's son. That's a possibility. Go to the king. The new king's probably the king's son, right? Or maybe they were going to him out of respect because he's the king of the area and they don't want to get caught. <laughs> at this point, we're too big. Somebody's going to notice us. So let's at least get the blessing of the king to be in town. Um, Herod doesn't turn him into the Romans, which is interesting. And Herod says, you know what? Why don't you go check it out and then let me know so that I can go worship him too, Ooh, Herod is the worst. And so the wise men go. And then they follow the star, which is interesting because stars don't move like that, which is what makes me think maybe it wasn't actually like a giant ball of flaming gas in the sky. 
maybe it was something a little bit different, but we don't know. All that we know is that the Magi were super pumped. They rejoice exceedingly with great joy. They were super duper, duper, duper excited. <laughs> and then they went and then they found him. And they fell down. We sang that in a few different songs this morning, right? They fell down. And that is, no matter what your intention is when you come to Jesus, that's the right response, right? Is to fall down and to worship him. It's, it's an amazing thing, these guys. We come across these same issues that Herod had to come across, where we face a decision. And we have to decide, are we going to humble ourselves and do what God asks? Or are we going to make the selfish choice and say, no, I don't want to do that? And we face a lot of little ones like that all the time, right? Occasionally some big ones, but plenty of little decisions like that. All right, God asked me to do something. Am I going to humble myself and say yes? Or am I going to be like, well, no, my schedule doesn't allow that right now. I don't want to do that. Um, sure, I'll do it. And then we go to check it out and like, ooh, that's, no, that looks like a lot of work. That's probably not God. I bet God didn't say that. God wouldn't ask me to do something hard. God wouldn't ask me to do something I don't like to do. He loves me. Do you, do you hear the like three-year-old maturity level in that response, right? I, I'd, I'd proudly say I'm at least four. Um, <laughs> no, but we do that, right? And because and, and, we don't think of things in biblical terms. We looked at this and we'd say, oh, I'd do what the wise men did. I'd totally do that, yeah. But then when God says, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to start a small group at work during lunchtime. And then we say, cool, except my boss hates Christians. And he chewed that one guy out just because he was wearing a cross necklace that one time. And he has made fun of him for the whole year since then and eggs us on to make fun of him too. Uh, if I try to start a Bible study, the boss is going to hate that. He might even fire me. I mean, this, this doesn't sound like God. This does not sound like God at all. Because God would certainly never expect me to risk anything. Now, that's a pretty real-world situation, right? Again, we're not guilt-tripping now. I'm just trying to translate this stuff into real life. We face these kind of decisions, and they're big. And that's why, for me, uh, legacy Lydia House folks will know this, but step one is always humility. No matter what it is we're doing, step one is always humble yourself. Always humble yourself first. Um, you're so much more likely to end up in the right place if you start out by humbling yourself before the Lord. Herod did not, right? And we know how it ends. It's an unthinkable thing that he does when he realizes that the Magi have betrayed him because God honored them. God honored the Magi by giving them a dream not to go back to Herod and to protect Jesus. And they choose to do that. Wow. You don't defy the orders of a king safely, right? I guarantee you Herod ran straight to, Ro to the Romans and was like, oh, by the way, there's a big entourage of people who defied my direct order. Oh, they happen to be Parthians. I think they're members of the emperor's court. What? Send all the guys with pointy things that way. It's risky. And they do it anyway. They choose to lay down, I think lay down, certainly potentially lay down their lives to protect Jesus. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And God chose the most unlikely people to do that. 
the bad guys. Hey, this is how powerful I am, folks. I send my only son, and then in order to honor him and save his life, I'm going to take the bad guys, convert them, and have them risk their lives for him. How do you like that? That's a clapper. Good job, God. He's, he's making a big point here. This is a pretty serious point. All these folks, the scribes, Herod, everybody who's supposed to be looking for Jesus, supposed to do the right thing when he comes, humble himself, step aside and say, this is your throne. They don't. They do the opposite. They say, go kill all the babies. And they do this throughout Matthew. It's, you know, Herod eventually dies, but there's another Herod. And then there's all the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. Everybody who's supposed to be for the Messiah is against him. And he picks the most unlikely people imaginable. A bunch of fishermen. And Matthew, the guy writing the story, a tax collector. The worst. Even today. Just kidding. Um, no, but like, if you tell someone, hey, I work for the IRS, they're not usually like, yeah, that's awesome. That must be really fun. They're probably like, oh, I don't want to shake your hand now. Um, no, but especially back then, because the tax collectors worked for the Romans. They were a stooge of the oppressors. And yet God chose Matthew. What a dumb choice, says everyone back then. Why did Jesus choose all these uneducated losers, dare I say? And yet, over and over again, we see this. God is willing to choose anybody who's willing to humble themselves and say, okay, I'll do it. I'll do whatever that is that you're asking. The, uh, the Magi are some of my heroes. I really look forward to meeting them one day and getting the rest of the story because I think this is a beautiful way for Matthew to start out his Jesus tale. Um, it really sets the stage for what's coming. Of course, at the end of this, he ends up, the Holy Family ends up as refugees in Africa. Thank you, Africa. Seriously, though, they took Jesus in and protected him for years. We don't know how long, for sure, because it doesn't say. But Africa took Jesus and his parents in, and they protected him and kept him safe. So... He was a refugee in Africa for quite a while. I don't know about you, but I've seen African refugees around here. Anybody else? There's like 100,000 of them. So you've probably seen some. How maybe should we respond to the African refugees in light of the fact that they welcomed Jesus and kept him safe when Jesus was a refugee? Maybe a good way to honor Jesus would be to return that favor. Something to ponder. Maybe even pray about. Next time you're at Target, maybe say, hi. Maybe ask, how, how long have you been in Minnesota? Maybe say, welcome. I did that once. It uh, wasn't at Target. It was at another store. But I, they uh, had been there like nine months. And I said, well, welcome to Minnesota. We're glad to have you. And she started crying. I only was talking to her because her husband was there, because otherwise it's inappropriate. Um, but she started to cry. She's like, you're the first person to welcome us in nine months. 
And I was like, oh, Minnesota, do better. Do better. So, okay, I'm not going to stump speech this, but, but this is something real and it's something we need to think about. If we want to act like Jesus, we have a lot of opportunities to act like Jesus. Amen? So I want to pray now. Uh, let, let's just, just join me in prayer, please. Father God, we thank you for choosing the least of these. We thank you for choosing the ones you wouldn't expect. Because that's all of us. Amen. And I want you to, we're going to take just a moment of silence to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Whether or not there might be something God has called us to do that we haven't done. Maybe we've ignored it. Maybe we pretend we didn't hear it, but there's something in it and, and we haven't obeyed yet. I want to take just a second and let the Holy Spirit bring anything to our minds. So if God brings something to your mind that maybe he's asked you to do that you haven't done or haven't finished or, or whatever the case may be, you can just pray, pray this prayer with me in your heart. You can uh, stay where you are. But just join me in this prayer. Father, I confess that I maybe haven't been listening well or that I heard and I ignored it or that I heard and I just chose not to do it or maybe I tried and it was too hard so I quit. But I confess that to you now. Lord God, I confess to you that I have not been obedient in the way that you asked me to. And I receive your forgiveness, Lord God, and I ask you now to help me to move forward in obedience to you. And for others, maybe we have a task or multiple tasks that God has given us, and we're doing them, they're just, it's hard. They're not, there's not a lot of success. We don't see a lot of fruit. It's tough. Maybe we've kind of even set it down. Maybe we prayed for 10 years about it, and then it didn't happen, so we just stopped. Or maybe we haven't heard anything because we haven't listened. So let's take another minute just to listen to the Spirit for whatever he would want to say to us. Again, if you feel that might be you, just join me in your heart with this prayer. Father God, I need some help accomplishing what it is you're asking me to do. It's too hard for me or too big for me or I don't understand it. Uh, it's hard to do it all alone. Maybe people don't understand me. Maybe people don't understand what it is that you're calling me to do. Maybe I don't understand. 
And so, Lord, I need your help. So I humble myself before you now. Father God, I accept what it is that you're asking me to do. And I just restate the fact that I can't do it on my own. I need you. And I know that you are willing to help Holy Spirit. And so I ask you to do it. If you need to bring me to brothers and sisters who can talk and pray through it with me. Help me to continue to say yes and to walk towards you, to walk towards what it is you're calling me to do. And if you felt like you were maybe in either of those categories, I want you to shake off any shame. There's no shame here, okay? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the devil really likes to jump in right at these holy moments where the spirit is doing something. The devil likes to jump in and say lies. Well, you don't deserve this. You're not worthy. You are disqualified because of what you did or who you are or how long it took you to say yes. He'll, he'll whisper all this nonsense, okay? So just shake that shame off. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Even if you were ignoring God, hey, God still had mercy on Jonah, right? But it's preferable not to get swallowed by a giant fish. So, Father, we humble ourselves before you. We desire to serve and follow. We thank you that you partner with such as us. It makes no sense. It makes no sense why you would choose us. It makes no sense why you would choose a tax collector named Matthew. It makes no sense why you would choose magi, magicians, sorcerers from another, another country, another culture. But you chose them. And may we continue to walk in your ways and in your will. And Lord, remind us that we're not doing this alone. None of this is alone. We have each other. We have the people in the row next to us or the row behind us to walk through this with us. Maybe they've even been there and could disciple you through it. None of us are here by accident. Amen? Amen. God wanted to bring these two churches together. It's an unlikely thing but he chose to do it anyway because he loves that. Father God, we ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, speak to us, Lord God, so that we can partner with you. Every time the devil says, but you're not worthy, I pray that you would remind us that Jesus made us worthy because of what Jesus did on that cross. It's your worthiness. It's your righteousness, Jesus. And we thank you for that. And I, I feel I have to do this just in case there's someone here who doesn't yet worship this Christ that the wise men came to worship. I really would love you to talk to somebody afterwards today. And if you feel the spirit moving on your heart, just pray this prayer with me. Father, I confess my sins before you and everything that I have done. I believe in Jesus Christ, or at least I want to. So help me, Holy Spirit, build faith within me. Father God, I accept your adoption into your family. 
because of what Jesus did. That's all there is to it. It's very simple. There's no, there's no class to pass. You just get on your knees and say yes. That's it. That's how you become a Christian. <laughs> you get on your knees and say yes. That's how God partners with you in this world. You just get on your knees and say yes. That's how you move from one level of authority to another in the spirit. You just get down on your knees and you say yes. And so we all do that this morning, Lord. And we say yes to you again. And for those of you who maybe really feel the spirit kind of tugging on your heart about something this morning, I encourage you to talk to somebody else about it. Maybe even before you leave. Hey, this is what I think God was saying. This is what I think God might be showing. Because when you have somebody else, then that gives you a little extra accountability, right? Hey, so how's that thing going? That you thought God talked to you about your neighbor, was it? Yeah. Have, have you seen her yet? That's really helpful. <laughs> so Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would teach us how to humble ourselves better. Teach us how to be like the wise men. That even though we were once your foe, that you chose us. And that we would respond like they did and fall down and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to close or... that may need some prayer, you know, we're going to open the uh, altars here. Feel free to come and uh, be prayed for, for whatever situation. We're going to dismiss the service at this time. You know, those who obey the Holy Spirit are the children of God. So whatever the Spirit of God is saying in your life, obey him. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So, Father, thank you for your challenge that you've put before us, the word of the Lord. That, Lord, you use anybody. It's not the might of this world that you have been called, but uh, the simple, the beggarly elements, as the scripture says. So, Father, we may not help us not to discount ourselves and say, no, I cannot be used of the Lord. Thank you, Father, that indeed you do speak even in this hour. We pray, oh God, that as you are calling people, setting them apart for ministries and challenges, oh God, to situations that are not very comfortable in, the Lord, you give them the aptitude also, the, the enablement of the Spirit of God for them to do the work of ministry or setting them apart for. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Let's all stand to our feet. The Lord bless you. We'll see you again. In these meetings, and uh, if you need prayer for any, any situation, maybe uh, you feel like you need healing again, we are all standing here in front, would like to pray with you. And maybe it's a direction that God is giving you concerning ministry, and you want somebody just to uh, stand in agreement with you, we are here for you. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We all love you, and uh, it's good to see you, smiling faces. And uh, may the Lord keep you, and may he go before you. May he protect you. May he set a, a hedge of protection. Scripture says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. We are the people of God, the sheep of his pasture. God bless you and be well, be protected, be healthy.
and be spiritual as well. Amen? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Feel free to come, and we can pray with you uh, before you leave here. Amen. Good job.